Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about calcium. I don't care what crop you raise, calcium is tremendously important. Now, you might not think of it in the way that you think about N, P, and K, but calcium could be the yield limiting factor on your farm. We'll talk about how to identify whether it is or isn't and what you could do about that. As always, we will get to the Ag PhD mailbag here a little bit later in the show. Actually, maybe pretty soon here, because uh, I don't know if I have a whole lot to, uh, uh, really? to get into. That's amazing. Uh, I, oh, I, I do. I, I actually do have one thing. <laughs> I, I got one thing. Uh, weed control, Darren. We're seeing, I don't care if it's Dicamba, Roundup, Liberty, uh, 2,4-D, any of these products, they aren't working as well as they normally do. And some people are very concerned that the weed resistance thing is stretching across a lot more chemistries than we felt uh, just felt like just a year ago even. So how do you feel about that with the Camba, 2,4-D, Liberty? Are you, are, are you seeing more weeds not dying? Well, it's been a challenging year to kill weeds, no doubt about that, when the, the defense is up in every plant that's out there. And here, here's one good example. I was talking to an agronomist last night who said, you know, I'm struggling with my guys. We're, we're having a hard time killing volunteer corn. And I said, talk to me about your field corn in the area. What's that look like? And he goes, oh, it looks great in the morning. The leaves are rolling up in the afternoon. I said, well, how about your volunteer corn? What's that look like in the afternoon? He said, I don't know. I didn't really look at it in the afternoon. I guess we were out scouting fields in the morning. I said, well, I'm going to bet you your volunteer corn leaves are probably rolling up in the afternoon too. If your field corn that you fertilize and care for and plant at the proper depth and do all those things right is struggling, I'm betting the volunteer corn that sprouted from kernels laying on top of the ground or or just mixed in randomly with tillage, I'm betting that stuff is struggling too. So yeah, we're having a hard time killing some weeds, no doubt about it. And we've talked a lot here on the show this month about using crop oil or methylated seed oil to penetrate through crop leaves because there's a thick wax that's been developing since it's been hot and dry in a lot of areas. Uh, so crop oil and methylated seed oil helps. But the fact of the matter is exactly what Darren is saying is true. When we're getting to the heat of the day in these drought areas, the plants are just shutting down. They The stomata are closing up. They are not bringing herbicide in like they normally would. And I believe that's part of the reason why we are not seeing the same same level of control we've come to expect in the past. The other thing is we're asking too much. I had an agronomist just a little bit ago showing me pictures. Well, these weeds didn't die from like a month ago. And I go, well, number one, they're still curled up. So that's good news. And number two, how big are they? <laughs> and he goes, well, they're not very big. And I go, really? They look big. Well, there are a few big plants in there. <laughs> I go, yeah. You're, when you're trying to kill eight-inch tall stuff, and and that rate that you used was labeled to four inches tall, plus you got stress conditions. What do you think's going to happen? So, I, I mean, we expect a lot out of our herbicides, and I think as farmers, we just figure, all right, well, I spent ten dollars. I should be able to control everything, and I don't care what the weed size is or anything else. But I mean, the problem is. We don't have, in my opinion, high enough rates labeled to kill great big weeds. As an example, with Enlist One, and I was just talking to the Corteva people about this the other day, I'm like, why don't you get two quarts labeled? 
you have one quart labeled. I said, I wouldn't even dream of using that in my pasture. That won't kill weeds. And you're telling me I got to only use one quart in soybeans? It's not enough. I mean, sure, it's enough if I got a two-inch tall weed in perfect growing conditions. But how often does that happen where that's all a guy has? It, that's just not the case. I see the same thing, whether it's Extendamax or Ingenia. You know, if I could use 50% more rate or a 100% more rate, I'd kill those weeds. They'd be dead. The other problem we have is with herbicides like Liberty, spray coverage. If you don't get great spray coverage, you just simply do not control the weeds. That's just the way it works. So anyway, there are a lot of other factors I'm trying to say that are entering in, and it's not like true resistance that we're seeing in a lot of cases. But if you don't kill a weed, it's got a good chance to start on that path toward weed resistance, and that's not what any of us want. All right, so again, we're going to talk about calcium during our show today, but right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, I got a few pictures for you, and I think you'll see what I see real quickly. This one's from an email who said, I'm a farmer in Europe. I planted some 99-day corn, but parts of the field are turning white and are very small in growth compared to other spots in the field. It's fertilized very well. I have about 300 kilograms per hectare of NP and K, 250 kilograms per hectare of urea. And I'm sending you some pictures here of very small corn that's got some very big problems. All right. Uh, first of all, here's what I would suggest, Emil. I would suggest you download the free Ag PhD Nutrient Deficiencies app. I would choose corn, and then I would look at zinc deficiency. And what you're going to see are plants that look very similar to what you got. And... When we see bands of lighter color there that in severe cases, the leaf tissue actually gets very, very thin and almost see-through in those spots, you got a zinc deficiency. And part of this could be that you did fertilize very well with N, P, and K. In fact, this is something that we know a lot about where we fertilize really well with N, P, and K and haven't caught up with the micros yet. We've seen this too. I'll, I'll say this though. I'm not 100% convinced it's a zinc deficiency. Is it most likely a micronutrient deficiency? Yes. But in order to verify exactly which micronutrient is short, I would take some plant leaves, send them in for analysis, and then find out for sure. The other thing that I thought of when I saw the yellow or almost white at the top of these plants was, do we have any carryover issues? I don't know what got used the year before, but I know like where we farm, sometimes there are herbicides that get used. Like I think about Femesifen as an active ingredient, Flexstar as a name brand. Uh, if it gets used in soybeans the year before, or let's say it's Reflex in dry beans, it gets used. If there's too much of that and we don't get it broken down the following year, then we turn the tops of our corn plants white or yellow, just like this. So chances are it's a nutrient deficiency, but I would also be curious what got used for a herbicide in the past as well. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Today we'll be talking about calcium on the show. Stay tuned. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist Weed Control System, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. 
In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. back you're listening to ag phd radio thanks for joining us today we're talking about calcium and i love it when we whenever we have neil kinsey here and and we've had neil kinsey do three-day seminars here a number of times now generally he takes most of a day talking about calcium and i think it's really eye-opening it certainly was for me how important this one nutrient is and what a big difference it makes not only in nutrient uptake, but also how water moves through the soil, microbial life. I mean, we talk about soil health all the time, and this is certainly one of those big building blocks that we need to have uh, correct out in our fields in order to have good soil health. So I want to talk about that today. Also taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show, 844-44-AG-PHD is our phone number or radio at agphd.com if you'd prefer to email. Start off with our friend Tim Dukert with AgroLiquid. Tim, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. You know, this is one of those things that I know uh, whenever I, I look at what products AgroLiquid's representing, I I notice calcium products like Liberate CA, for example. And when we have some of the different reps in different parts of the country from AgroLiquid on our show talking fertility or specific issues in those areas, oftentimes guys will say, man, we got to get the calcium measured. Why is calcium so important, Tim? Well, that's a loaded question right there, but uh, it's one of our building blocks of the soil, and uh, it's one thing that's um, pretty important to get in balance. Um, kind of affects the pH, which uh, affects the mobility and uh, availability of all of our nutrients. So um, very, very important to make sure we get that balanced in our soil and uh, then we can uh, access all of our other nutrients better. All right. So talk to us about some of the low calcium soils. And I realized that we could lime and put more calcium on that way, but what's really going on in those those low calcium soils? Why are we struggling so much there? Low calcium soils, um, we can usually um, try to bring those up, yeah, like you say, with lime or, or that liberate 
uh, calcium product that you're talking about, what is the issue there? Um, can affect the availability of, like I said earlier, many nutrients, but in particular, um, uh, our, our MPNKs. We just had a call yesterday on our show, uh, and I ended up talking more to uh, a farmer over in Minnesota afterwards. He had over-applied lime, and where they had some overlap and, and different things going on. And he was seeing all kinds of issues in his plants this year. And he's like, man, not enough calcium is hurting me. Now I got too much calcium, and that's hurting me. So what about high-calcium soils? Because certainly there's a lot of high-calcium soils through the upper Midwest. Yes, uh, high calcium, well, calcium in general just interacts with so many different nutrients. And an excess could um, certainly cause a problem in many different things. And for instance, uh, excess calcium reduces the availability of phosphorus or potassium, um, iron too. And if that's the case, uh, just because you put on excess lime, now you've shorted yourself uh, with the tie-up of some of those other nutrients, as I mentioned. So it is, again, like I say, very important to have it balanced, but uh, always make sure what we're doing is um, not affecting that calcium imbalance and causing the uh, interaction that we don't want to have happen. What do you see up at the North Central Research Station in Michigan? I know you've got a lot of different soils that you're working on with, with many different crops. Do you fight low-calcium situations? Do you fight high-calcium situations? Have you got a little of both? We are mostly low calcium. We have a few soil types that do have higher calcium, but uh, mostly low. And sometimes we keep uh, a few of those areas uh, significantly low so we can do different tests. And um, we mentioned the liberate calcium. We could put that in furrow. We could apply that uh, foliar. We do those tests so we can show that if you are in that situation, there is things you could do. Say you had rented land, you don't want to Maybe spend the money for uh, lime. You don't know how long you might keep it. Put a product like Liberate Calcium out there, and you could still grow your crop. You can help uh, provide that needed calcium to that plant and soil so that uh, you can still get your other nutrient availability uh, for that one year. Now, if you really want to amend your soil, I would certainly look at doing lime, but uh, as I said, sometimes that's not always feasible in a year-to-year situation. Yeah, and sometimes that lime source is not uh, super available to, to every farmer either. I know there isn't like there's lime being produced in every single small town out there. So it's one where you get some different options, no doubt about it. You don't need to say, well, I just can't find lime. Well, there are other products like Liberate CA that, that a guy could certainly consider. And I'm talking with Tim Dukert here with AgriLiquid. Tim, thank you so much. Really appreciate you jumping on today and, and look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You bet. You as well. Got our friend Lee Lubers. He farms in southern South Dakota with us, and I think he's hogging all the rain this year. Lee, how you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> I don't know if you're hogging there's, the rain or not. <laughs> there's not much to hog. <laughs> no, no, there really hasn't been this year. Okay, talk to us about calcium. And this is one of the things I know there's a lot of farmers in the area that talk about, man, I got high calcium levels in my soil. Do you fight that anywhere? And have you found a way around that? You know, uh, calcium kind of gets cussed sometimes, but I think it's more important that we start looking at our ratios and trying to work with it, not against it. And then also we acknowledge that uh, 
it's an essential nutrient. We need to be able to get calcium into our plants because it has so many benefits for us. So kind of how we view fertility has really helped that out. Yeah, the the balance of things in the soil, I agree with you completely. That's that's been a game changer to look at fertility that way rather than just, well, I need this many pounds of N, P, and K. When we see if I get way too high in one thing, it it, it hurts me with the other things that we've got out there. You've got some challenging conditions that you farm in. I mean, it's a lot of times hot and dry where you're at, and I know just holding water and getting good water movement through the soil is a big deal. What do you see when you're you're looking at extreme situations? And I realize a lot of farmers have extreme situations this particular year, but but you seem to fight it more years than not. What are some things with the soil that you look at to, to really help your crop year in and year out? Uh, we look at a balanced fertility program. And then, like I said, we're also viewing our calcium in our soil differently than we used to. Uh, this year, we're actually experimenting with a product to help get calcium into the plant. And uh, initially, the visuals are very promising. We're about ready to do some tissue tests on it, and then we'll take it to yield. But uh, we know we need to get calcium into the plant, and we're kind of suspecting with our CECs, uh, we were, we're not getting enough into our plant. And if we can get enough in, we're going to gain a lot in cell strength, which helps for adverse conditions, weather, disease. Uh, uh, we're going to improve our nitrogen uptake if we get enough calcium into the plant for plant function. So I don't know. Our initial tests are looking pretty promising. Yeah, it's it's fun. And Brandon, I've been talking about this a lot lately. People have been saying, well, you know, commodity prices are high. Okay, well, now's the time to do some of these experiments and, and check it out. And I know that, that you and your brother farm quite a few acres, but when you do these trials, do you do them on a ton of acres? Do you do them on a huge percentage of the farm? Or how do you set up trial work? We always do it in multiple soil types, uh, different planting dates, uh, because we're we're looking at every field. We don't farm for the five-acre sweet spot. Uh, we want to see how it responds in clay soils, loam, uh, some lighter loam sand soils, and different pHs. Uh, we're looking for things that show us consistency across our farm in our in our environment. So we actually did on this newer product for calcium uptake. Uh, we did it on a pretty large scale. Yeah, it's always fun to see how everybody else does things. I love that you you look at, and I know you've got variable soils out in your area too. I think that's a great idea. I love that you're looking at it in a lot of different situations. And yeah, this year the planting date thing is gonna gonna play in on some of these trials for us. I know that for sure. Talking with Lee Farms in South Dakota, and uh, we get to get the pleasure of talking to him from time to time. Lee, good luck. Hopefully, you do catch some more rain and uh, and get great crops too. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks, Lee. Talking about calcium on today's show, and I realize it's not NP or K, but it could even be more important. We'll talk about that coming up next. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro.
Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Join us for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. We're putting on a full day that you won't want to miss. Yield champs will share about raising yields and profits. Industry experts will discuss drainage law, estate planning, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you dozens of research plots and have equipment running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day. Register now at agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. Talking calcium on today's Ag PhD radio program. And if you've been listening to our show for the last few years, you know when we talk calcium, one of the guys we love to get on the show is our friend Dick Goff over in Minnesota. Dick, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. All right. Talk to us about calcium a little bit because we get a lot of folks that want to talk NP and K. And uh, when it comes to calcium, that might be even more important. Well, yeah, and all your discussion has been interesting. I've been on there since the weed control, and I 100% agree that that increase in the rate, I do that around my own yard, and the big weeds, you can get them if you go higher rate. So I'll just leave that away. But uh, when we start looking at calcium, we've always looked at it as being secondary. And I'm just going to make this comment. There's university uh, research 
that shows they feel calcium is second only to nitrogen than before phosphate and K. And also the statement has been brought out in research showing that sulfur availability at the grain fill time is critical in order to form protein and and kernel uh, weight. And the thing, issue there is that nitrogen will transfer from that lower leaf plant, and you see those dead leaves showing. We say, well, the nitrogen's going up to the kernel, but sulfur don't. Sulfur don't transfer. It has to be taken up. So leave that as it may. Some of the other discussion there uh, brought out the relationship between the calcium and these other nutrients. For the number one critical one, I have seen and am still getting come in even now. I get a lot of calls from growers on that, that they are seeing a problem. And this showed up, believe it or not, 25 years ago or 30 in a meeting I was doing up in northern Minnesota. Where an old boy up there that had a lot of manure and all that on there. He said, in order to get that crop to grow, he said, I have got to put more nitrogen in my starter than where I don't have all that manure. Why? Well, crop residue and decomposition ties up nitrogen. The second thing in that is that when we're looking at work at Ohio State and other places where they're looking at hybrids and looking at the amount of K2O that we broadcast over, say, a head of corn, we're going to put a two-year program on or whatever the rate may be. It'd be very in the states that we're talking about. But when you put that on and have it at a high availability in that young seed area, the time from about three to four leaf is when those kernels that you're going to harvest are already genetically established. And they get about a 10 to 15%, the last stuff I saw, reduction if they have too much K up there at that time. And what we've got to look at is breakdown of K, the availability of plant, but what pulls that crop out of that in that is adding calcium with that K or at that time they got the yield right back up. So or the the development of that early plant. All right, what does that add into there? You can overdo K. You can't, I don't think we can overdo calcium, to be honest with you. Now, yes, some folks brought out into way overdoing it. Uh, you're going to tie up zinc. You can tie up manganese, and manganese and iron are critical in their relation, and there's a whole bunch of interactions in there. But when you're looking at that whole program, be careful of overdoing K, especially in the spring. That's why I've always wanted to put K and phosphorus on in the fall. Don't worry about it. And then the other big thing is you, that I've seen, even where we're working with gypsum, calcium sulfate, we need, we will get a better response where we have AMS ammonium sulfate associated. So what that kind of breaks down to is that you want to have some sulfur with that calcium 
because that sulfur is going to create an acid reaction, which in turn is going to liberate more calcium, especially in those high pH soils. But even in research in Minnesota where it's on a pH of uh, 4, 5, and 5, they still got a response to the gypsum over the straight lime, high calcium lime. Hey, Dick, this is Brian. Let me ask you this question. We built up a lot of our soils to 6% or 7% base saturation K now, so we probably have 500 to 700 parts per million of K out there, but all our yield data was showing us the more K we did, the higher the yield. So now we got our K built up. We got our phosphorus built up to probably 100 parts per million, and we got 75% calcium in a lot of our soils on the base saturation test. Are you still worried about calcium even though we're at 75% on that base saturation test. What, okay, what is your pH? Uh, right around 7. Okay, you start out at 7 and on up, calcium is not available. I don't care if you got 10,000 pounds. Yeah. yeah we, and that's where we need the sulfur yep. to increase that availability at that time. I, you know, AMS, sulfur involved with the starter... Uh, I'll never forget in a meeting I had up in Saskatoon, the head man was Dr. Spratt of the Potash Corporation in Canada was in the audience, and I didn't even realize it or I even scared to death. But he came up afterwards and he said, you commented on putting ammonium sulfate with a, with a hotterite colony, and I knew them, and they were just growing for fodder. They weren't worried about getting grain. He said, well, what were you going at? I said, I said well, we've seen more results. Yep. If you get ammonium sulfate with that, you're going to start. And he said, well, this is an interesting thing we've had. They've been out there trying to get the Canadian growers to use more potassium. And, of course, their big problem is doing, you know, uh, acre uh, uh, I'm trying to think, the township size yield of the fields, they don't want to be stopping and adding anything to that starter, sure. what they're doing. They found that any grower, and there's a lot of money out there doing, putting an AMS on as a starter. When they added K to that, they got response. If they didn't have the Abris, they didn't get the higher protein, the higher yield, or nothing, but when they had that and I think that year after year, that combination is releasing nitrogen in the ammonium form. When that's converted to nitrate, you get hydrogen. That's acid. Plus, there's more sulfur in that than there is nitrogen, and that converts in the end again acid, and that's what's releasing this calcium. Yep, we, we agree with you there, Dick. Our, so for the last three years now, we've done one-acre grids on our farm, and we've compared every grid point to yield so we can graph things out. And higher K has meant more yield, higher sulfur has also meant more yield for us. So we don't have to be real smart to figure out, oh, <laughs> if our own data shows us more sulfur means more yield, we got to put more sulfur on. So I'm in agreement with you, uh, but there are a lot of different forms, and that that's why I'm glad you talked a little about all these different forms. It kind of depends on what your pH is and, and what your situation is and your crop and everything else, wouldn't you say? we got about a minute left, Dick. Sorry, I, uh, okay. I mean, cut you off yeah, quick, well, but... Go ahead. The big thing that quickly relates to that is when we're in our heavy soil, CECs of 
say 20 or 18 yep. to 24. Yep. Three to one ratio and above. I you know, even think a four to one ratio of calcium to magnesium yep. would be good. But you get out in Ohio, they have different clays. They don't have the holding capacity as our clay in Minnesota and uh, South Dakota and down in right. Iowa do. They've got clays that are in the elite, kaolinitic, that if you look at a holding capacity, they have about a 13 or 14, right. where the soils in southern Minnesota are 200. Right. That soil, sandy soil, any of those, we're looking now, or I am anyway, 9 to 10 to 1 ratio of calcium to magnesium. Sure. Yep, all right. And you can, and then pH enters in there. <laughs> yep. Uh, we agree with you, Dick. Uh, as always, fantastic stuff. Again, that's Dick Goff. He was with Midwest Labs for many years, but we often talk to him on calcium and a number of other subjects. Great fertility expert. Thanks for the time, Dick. We'll be right back. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire Herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. 
Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking about calcium. So our last guest was Dick Goff. And if you've never heard of him before, he is just a fantastic resource for us. He's been around for a really long time. Uh, Taught Darren and me many things years ago when he was at Midwest Labs about soils. And here's the thing that I hope you got out of that discussion. So uh, Dick's been retired for lots of years now, but even so, he is still unbelievably passionate about soils. And I, I mean, I just want you to think about yourself and all your friends and all your acquaintances. What are they passionate about? Whether it's sports or maybe it's equipment or some people are passionate about their livestock or whatever it is. You don't run into a lot of people that are super unbelievably passionate like Dick is about soils. But I just want you to think about this. On your farm, other than you and your family and your people, what's worth more than your soil? What's more important than your soil? When you start thinking about making that field of yours or fields better, it all really starts with the soil. And sure, we talk about drainage as always, that's number one. If you don't fix the drainage problem, it doesn't do you any good to take care of fertility. But after drainage, it's always fertility. And for years, and so Darren and I grew up on the farm. We still farm lots of acres today and everything. But we got indoctrinated with NPK, NPK, NPK. It's all anybody ever wanted to talk about with fertility. Well, how often have you spent, even like we just had Dick on for 10 minutes, talking about calcium? Have you spent 10 minutes in your life talking to anybody about calcium. But calcium's unbelievably important. I would tell you this, it's the most important nutrient for soil health. Calcium, yes, it's number one. I'm not saying it's the most important thing for your corn crop or your soybean crop necessarily. Okay, so maybe it's nitrogen for corn and it's potassium for soybeans. But for soils, soil health, soil aggregation, soil structure, Calcium is number one. And the reason why that is, is because it, it has to do literally with everything, every plant, uh, with the plant microbes, and also just your overall soil structure. Dick talked just for a second about calcium and magnesium. And I, I just so I, let, me, let me put this in very simple terms, because uh, I'll be honest, um, I never enjoyed calcium chemistry, or for that matter, even biology. But I, I never enjoyed it that much. But what I wanted all the time is just put it in layman's terms. <laughs> so that's what I always try to do. Here, here's the way it works. Calcium is r- really big. It's got a big size to it, a big particle size to it, whereas magnesium is really, really small. So the example I always give is let's say you're sitting in a room. Okay, so you're in a great big room, and if you filled that room with basketballs, let's just say, floor to ceiling, would you be able to breathe? Of course you would, because there is pore space 
as we would call it in soils, in between those basketballs. There's room for air to get to you. Okay, now let's say we take the basketballs out. We have the same room. We're sitting there, and we fill it floor to ceiling with sand. Will you be able to breathe? Nope, you're dead. And it's the same kind of thing as when you have lots of magnesium in your soil. The soil can't breathe. Air doesn't get down deep into the soil, and that's problematic. Because when there's no air, there are no roots. When there's no air, there are no aerobic soil microbes, that are, and many of which are beneficial. So we have to have air in that soil. That's why we want a good level of calcium in the soil. So when you start seeing magnesium levels that are 30, 40, 50%, that's what's happening in your soil. It's literally killing your soil, or at least parts of it. So we want to get our calcium levels up. Usually what we're talking about on a base saturation test is just get your calcium levels up to 65, 75%, somewhere in that range, and usually you're pretty good. You could also think about it this way, that calcium is going to loosen a tight soil. So if you've got heavy clay soils, then you want more calcium out there. Okay. Now, if you have sandy soils, and Dick was starting to mention soils in Ohio, for example, if you have really light soils, then having more magnesium and maybe a little bit less calcium, let's say you get your calcium down to only 65%, but you try getting your magnesium up to 20 Okay, That would be a good idea in the really light sandy soils. But anyway, calcium is tremendously important just for that. Okay. Now, it's important for a lot of other things, too. Let's talk about pH really quick. If you have low pH, the fix is get calcium carbonate out there. Super simple, easy, doesn't cost that much money in most cases. But we really want to see that pH for many crops. Let's take corn, soybeans, and wheat, for example. We like the soil pH to be in the 6.3 to 6.8 range. Okay, That's ideal. So if you're down into the 4s or 5s, get a little calcium carbonate or lime out there, you raise the pH done. With high pH, it's a little different. And I don't know if you caught this, but one of the things Dick said is high pH, so stuff above 7 pH, calcium is not available. And it might seem weird because you go, wait a second, I got all kinds of calcium level, uh, calcium in my soil according to my soil test. What do you mean it's not available? Well, in those high pH soils, you can make that calcium a little more available with some sulfur. And that was his whole point. So we talk often about elemental sulfur lowering high soil pHs, which it does, if you have good drainage. Here again, we've got to have air in that soil because there are aerobic microbes that will break elemental sulfur down into hydrogen sulfate. And that is basically going to lower your uh, lower your soil pH. Hydrogen sulfate, by the way, is sulfuric acid. So anyway, this happens if you have good drainage. So what we would tell you in high pH soils is number one, fix your drainage. Number two, get some sulfur out there somehow, some way. Sure, ammonium sulfate's good in those situations, but elemental sulfur is probably going to be even better. In the low pH soils, that's where Quite frankly, you could do a little bit of gypsum. You've got options. You could do some ammonium sulfate if you wanted to. I mean, Dick talked about a few different sources of sulfur. Uh, otherwise, even something as simple as manure, if you get manure out there. We, we just, the plants need lots of sulfur. There's one last thing that I wanted to address that he said. Uh, in terms of sulfur, uh, what what we're really looking for here is we've got to have good availability every day. And the reason why that is is because sulfur is immobile in the plant. 
Now, it's very mobile in the soil, okay? So it can leach down through the soil. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying here- Which is important because that's how we're going to get most of it into the plant. Exactly. But what I'm saying here is once sulfur goes into the plant, it goes into leaves, it's stuck in those leaves. With NP and K, the plant can rob NP or K from the lower leaves of the plant and put it to the new growth if it starts running short in the new growth. With sulfur, it doesn't work that way. So that's why you've got to have ample sulfur in that soil so roots can bring it in every single day of the year. And if you don't have that, you're in trouble. So we talk about this even like with potassium this year. We've seen crazy amounts of potassium deficiencies throughout the Midwestern United States where we're having dry conditions because potassium, like most other nutrients, goes in with water. Well, when there's less water, then there's less potassium getting into the soil. So unless you got your concentration of K up in the soil much more than normal, you probably are seeing potassium deficiency. Now, in a normal weather year, a normal moisture year, you're not going to see that. But look, we farm, everybody farms in good conditions and bad conditions. So don't just farm for the good conditions. you got to think about how can I get my crop to be somewhat drought tolerant when those dry years come along. And that's what I'm talking about. Making sure that we've got ample sulfur, ample potassium. Uh, we we got to have these nutrients there and ready to go so our, our plant can do well even in the drier years. Now, are we going to have record yield this year? Like in our region of the country, not a chance in the world. But I don't need record yield. We have great pricing. I, I assume you saw what happened today. Limit up on the on the grain markets. Um, so the, the the crop acreage just wasn't there. And so we have fantastic prices. So if I even get a two-thirds crop this year, I'm still going to come out financially. But I could end up with a very, very small crop if I didn't do some extra things to basically drought-proof my soil and drought-proof my crop. And so we talked about sulfur, we talked about potassium, but our main topic today was calcium. Make sure you have good calcium levels in your soil and get it available for your crops. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. 
Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Been talking about calcium so far, but we're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag here in the Morton studio. Got a question that came in. This one is from Grant in Minnesota and uh, Puckered E3 soybeans. He said, We're seeing entire fields that have a low probability of experiencing physical drift that are puckered or cupped, and it's even across the field. Uh, have a farmer who has a plot that has both the dicamba tolerant beans and the 2,4-D tolerant beans that hasn't sprayed dicamba in close pro- proximity with these beans, and they're cupped severely. This leads us to Wait, believe. Wait, are the dicamba? Oh, oh, e3 beans. I'm sorry, are cupped severely. This leads us to believe Thank that you. it's dicamba injury. Yep. But where could is. dicamba be coming from if nobody close has sprayed? Is it coming out of corn? Yep. Or is it moving a long ways? No, it's coming out of corn. So we, we've seen all kinds of that this year. I just saw the report here in terms of crop acreage. By the way, South Dakota is number, the number five state in the, in the United States for corn acres. Well, grants from Minnesota, that's the number four state for corn acres. So there were a lot of corn acres in our region, even North Dakota. North Dakota had as many, as many corn acres as Ohio. I'm going, What? North Dakota's got that many acres? Yes. So there's a lot of corn around here, and there was a lot of dicamba sprayed. So we're seeing this all over the place. Most likely you got hit by somebody spraying dicamba in corn. And by the way, when they sprayed the dicamba in corn, they didn't have to use one of the new dicambas. They also didn't have to follow any of the rules that we do when we spray in extend soybeans. So, yep, chances are that's what happened. But here's the good news. If all it is is a little bit of leaf cupping, we've seen this. I mean, I, I, I've been on the farm my entire life, so we've seen it since I was a kid. So we're talking over 40 years, I have seen dicamba drift onto beans. And anyway, where I was going with this is the good news is it usually doesn't hurt yield. In fact, sometimes it helps yield so much that guys will come to us and say, yeah, I would like to buy an ounce of dicamba for all my soybean acres. And we go, What? Do you have dicamba beans? No, but I've seen yield gain when dicamba hits my beans. Okay, 
it can happen, definitely. We just don't know the exact timing, rate, everything else. So don't try this at home, as they would say. But I would just tell you, uh, I'm not worried about it at all. I have some, I just drove past some this morning of our beans, and I know it was one of the neighbors that hit it with their, their dicamba. I'm not worried about it. It's no big deal. If you don't shorten the beans, if all you do is cup the leaves, uh, you're going to be fine. If you the, shorten the, the fear, beans, the, then it's a little different. The only fear this year is just that we are in a pretty heavy drought. And if you just yeah. don't get any moisture, they don't recover quickly. It's kind of yep. like spraying cobra a little bit in the sense that if, okay, you can take yes. some injury on those beans yes. if you get some rain yes. in a relatively short time. Yes, but a lot of, regrowing. yeah, I know. But here's the, here's the thing. A lot of this dicamba was sprayed a month ago. Well, if it was sprayed a month ago or even two or three weeks ago, and you're just seeing the symptoms now, and it's been that way in a lot of cases, um, how severe could that injury have been? And there has been rain over that time for a lot of people, so I'm not super worried about it. I think it's going to be okay. All right. Uh Get a question here from Jeff in Indiana, and he said, My question's regarding Monday's show. I heard you talking about V10 fungicides and issues that could create, depending on what was in your sprayer, I think as far as carriers or adjuvants go. Spray and- adjuvants. Don't don't put any cro- don't put any normal spray adjuvants in there. No surfactant, no crop oil, nothing when you're spraying pre-tassel. We're doing that on our farm. If you if you skip the adjuvants, you should be fine. Yeah, I like Nutex EDA. That's something you could do. Otherwise, make sure the adjuvant that you use is NPE, APE free, or like Brian said, just skip it completely if you really don't know. That way you're not taking the right. chance. Right, so just spray the fungicide all by itself. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Guy. He said you talked about how much more sunlight you get versus Houston, Texas <laughs> in your yeah. area. Yep. I'm wondering, does elevation impact things and also cloudiness? I've heard there are some really huge vegetables grown way up north in Alaska. Yes, so elevation and clouds. Uh, those both play a role in things. As far as the clouds, this is one of the things you'll hear some of the very top yielding farmers in the world talk about. On the cloudy years, they don't get as much yield. Our, Our plants are taking sunlight energy and turning it into yield. So when there are too many clouds, then that can be problematic. In terms of the elevation, what that usually causes is late spring frost, early fall frost. So that's not good. So because of that, then, when you have higher elevation, Typically, you are raising a shorter maturing crop, whatever it is, or variety. And when you go shorter maturity, then a lot of times that means at least some degree of yield sacrifice. Get this feedback from Tom. He said you were talking about Liberty and Liberty tolerant soybeans and enlist soybeans. I've never really been a fan of Liberty herbicide. I tried it twice. I've had great success, though, with Enlist 1 last year, and I went back with that again this year. In the past, I was mainly leaning on Roundup and Cobra. Hey, thanks for the feedback, Tom. Yeah, I know what you mean. Switching to uh, these crops where you have different herbicide-tolerant options has sure been helpful and gives you some different options, and we've had good success with the Enlist 1 product as well. And I would say with Liberty, it's just a very different herbicide than most anything else we spray. It's more like the old Bassagran or Buctrol or even, for that matter, Gramoxone. You need lots of water, lots of spray pressure, small spray droplets, and great coverage. When you get great coverage, it's good. Liberty also works better when you have sunny days and warm temperatures. So, yeah, it's it's just a little more finicky than some of these other products. The final thing I'll throw in is rate 
is very, very important. I was just talking to a couple of agronomists right before the show about this, and I said, because one of the guys was complaining about Liberty, and I said, well, what rate did you use? Because these weeds were big. And he goes, 32 ounces. And I go, why are you using 32? Use 43 ounces. That's what it's going to take on big weeds. 43 ounces is now labeled in soybeans, I mean, that are Liberty tolerant, obviously. And do that. Just bump the rate, and then you'll see a big difference. I, I, I can just say from when Liberty first came out, originally they were talking 22 ounces was the rate, and people were unhappy. Then they started bumping. It was 26. It was 28. Got better. 32 ounces, it was good. Well, when you're going after big weeds in a stress year like this year, and especially if you don't get great spray coverage, a higher rate absolutely will help. But yeah, we, we do like rotating as much as we can. So like in Enlist Beans, if possible, it's nice to have one shot of Liberty and one shot of Enlist One. We just worry so much about resistance anymore. Uh, we, we, we just want to make sure everything gets controlled out there. All right. Uh, get a question from Larry here. He said, I'm wondering, could you talk about the process for looking for H2A workers? Is this something that may be addressed at the Ag PhD Field Day as well? Yeah, I, I, I don't know really anything about that program, but we are going to have somebody speaking at the Ag PhD Field Day. It is something that a number of farmers I know use. Um, it's just we don't we only farm 3,200 acres on our in our operation corn soybeans primarily so we don't need a whole bunch of extra help and by the way we've gotten summer help uh, just from our little local town and school and that kind of thing so yeah it's it's nothing that we've participated in but there are, is a lot of interest and we are going to have somebody speaking about it at the field day. All right, get this one from Shirley. He says, what is the city and location of the Ag PhD field day? And also, where do you broadcast your radio show from? Baltic, South Dakota is where our farm is at. So it's right north of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's it's basically about where Interstate 90 and Interstate 29 meet. Uh, so we're just a few miles away from that. You can go to agphd.com to learn more about that. And as far as where our radio show is broadcast from, it's right in our main office, Um uh, right on our our farm just west of the field day site so but it's right on the same road all right got this a uh, couple questions here from eric he said first of all you need some more weed of the week shirts for big guys and next here's my question i am using a product called howler and it has directions for a soil drench but you say fungicides don't move and they only move through uh the xylem in the plant, but these guys are putting it in the soil. I'm just wondering, is it a different mode of action or how does it actually work? Uh, thanks for the question, Eric, and, and Eric's in New York, if I didn't say that before. Howler fights Rhizoctonia and Pythium. It's got six different known modes of action, but it's a bacterial product. So it's different than the chemical fungicides. So it's going to work just a little bit different. And yeah, the specific uh, problems that it's trying to fight are Rhizoctonia and Pythium that you've often got in the soil. That's why they're doing the, the soil drench or, or in furrow type method. Hey, thanks for the question, Eric, and, and kudos to you for trying something new. Love to hear how that product works. We've we've actually done a little bit of research on, on Howler as we look into a lot of these biological or natural type products on our farm every year. Had a fun time talking about calcium today. Always good to hear from the legendary Dick Goff as well. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.